Welcome to, uh, I don't even feel like saying it, the officially unofficial For All Mankind podcast on Apple TV Plus. I'm Jim. Just feels wrong. I'm Aaron. <laughs> and today we're talking season three, episode two, Game Changer. It's supposed to feel wrong, Aaron. Uh, I didn't like it either when Ed refused to say it, but that's how it goes when, yeah. when you're taking off your life's mission. Um yeah, we're here to talk about the episode uh, two of the season. What'd you think, Aaron? Man, this is a roller coaster of emotions because at first I'm like, you know, it's kind of a bummer for Danielle, but mm-hmm. she is like, you know, being super professional and also letting Ned know that he's on notice. She's coming after him. And I like the, you know, camaraderie there. Uh, and then I think Margot made a bad call. I think there's a lot of different ways you could handle if you wanted to phase out the um, head of the astronauts department or whatever Molly is. But I think she picked about the worst way possible. And um, it's 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 going to cause a lot of probably dissension within the astronaut ranks. And I don't know. It, it does seem like a, a naked uh, power hungry grab from her. And I didn't like it. I didn't like seeing all the the, the, the chaos and disorder uh, that was that was from that decision. But uh, it's 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 dramatically interesting. Mm-hmm. The uh, the other thing is this Karen shit, man. <laughs> f- what what the hell is wrong with this woman? Why couldn't she let that boy walk out the door without asking him about to get his goddamn wedding music? What 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 what's her fuck? What's her fucking deal? Oh, uh, I mean, I wanted to know. I'm sure she doubly wanted to know. Uh, I, I, we talked about this last episode, right? Like, was this intentional? Was this? And his like, oh, Amber wanted to do it. Yeah, bullshit. We all knew that was bullshit. And then, of course, he, turns he should out have be- never been put in a position to be asked. That was such a <laughs> such a needy, stupid decision by Karen. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I, I knew immediately when I saw that. I'm like, oh, boy, Aaron's going to have a real problem with what's happening here. Um, I really like the stuff with Ayasa and uh, Helios. This stuff is super interesting because I think we are conditioned or certainly I'm conditioned to see someone with a massive amount of money and assume that there is no uh, proper sharing of that, those funds that there is Mm. that they've done something to exploit people to get it. Mm -hmm. Um, that when they get the opportunity, they're going to exploit the fact that they have it to get more. Mm -hmm. And this guy doesn't seem to be that guy, but I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop on that. So it's fascinating to me, like to see a a totally different type of corporation here from what we're used to seeing Um, and, and seeing Karen get caught up in it and kind of like thinking that she's found an alternative way of, of living life, you know, Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be fascinating as we go through this season, especially when the going gets tough. I, I got to echo your admiration for how they're doing this Helios thing, because it seems like it's an intentional comparison to Elon Musk, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's down to the fact that they're both African-American immigrants. Oh, but okay. then everything starts to divulge like this. This guy's father was a, a penniless immigrant. Um, uh, Elon Musk, his dad owned the Ruby mine. Uh, Elon Musk is very set a cult of personality around himself. This guy might as well, but definitely the buck stops with him and mm-hmm. he's not super duper sharing in terms of decision-making glory or anything like that. This guy is all about Harambe and Ubuntu and all these principles of sharing and communal responsibility, almost like the, like the best of both worldviews presented by the Americans and the Soviets on this show. And like yeah. you, I'm wait. I was like, there's no fucking way this guy can be this fucking based. Right. There's no way. Right. There's no way. Uh, yeah. We'll but see, we'll but see. Super intrigued. Uh, and, and man, they're setting up some really great stuff with this race to Mars. Um, I, I, it makes me wonder, like, are they going to cut corners to get there? Especially now Dude. that they have a mission commander who... Margo didn't want because his potential to cut corners and to to play it fast and loose like that could be a dangerous equation I don't know how Ed's going to fit into this organization as (laughs) stated the mission the fact that he's just going to be a glorified caretaker by design like whoo I don't Uh, know yeah 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know. That, that stuff is super interesting. I'm also interested in the Ellen stuff, you know, as she yeah. runs for president here, she's having to choose her VP. And I don't know about this guy. He's saying the right things, but he seems very disingenuous. He's exactly the same as Black Elon. Like, sure. there's no way this guy with the background he's given is going to be this base. There's no way he's not going to, like, stab Ellen in the back. And yeah. I can already see the shape of what it would be. Like, you know, uh, he's going to find out that she's gay and mm-hmm. he's going to see that as a breach of their shoot straight etiquette and something that she blindsided him with, quote unquote. And it's going to be the rationale that he needs to turn against her. Especially yeah. since she's already soft on his pro-life causes because she's all for stem cells. So, like, there, yeah, there's all this apparent harmony and Harambe going on in this episode. Um, and, but, but like, you can already see the cracks underneath it, where the fault lines are going to be, where people are really going to be tested. Um, yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, I, 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 I uh, the, the only quibbles I had in the first episode were like some of the scientific details of the space disaster and the fact that they've used that so well to like propel the rest of the to, to like, it seems clear that there's no way these guys are going to be able to beat NASA a whole two years in their launch window. Right. But the fact that they even can is kind of audacious or maybe it's it, it makes NASA and, and the Soviets and I think the Chinese are going to get into this race, too. Maybe they all are accelerated to like a more dangerous degree. Um, Could be. I don't know. It's being it's it's a fascinating setup for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was. Right. There's no big uh, crazy event that happens at the end of this. The the event is the announcement, right, that they're going to be there two years before NASA uh, if it goes according to plan. But I don't know. It was still exciting for me, even though it was an action packed episode. And I, man, I felt like, yeah, maybe not action, but there was definitely some fist pump moments because like Molly in the bathtub smoking a joint <laughs> uh, from her, her little, you know, her, her roach clip saying, yeah, mm-hmm. Ed, stick it to him. <laughs> that was such a great ending to this episode. Yeah, she's great. Uh, I wonder what we're going to see of her in the future. She doesn't really have a very prominent place in the series at this point, right? <sighs> man, I hope, I hope that they don't forget about her i wonder if they'll bring her in as some kind of mission command like uh not mission commander but mission controller uh bring her over over to helios like helios might be this weird thing where like the company culture is a lot is an antithesis of nasa but they're 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 selling point is they're retaining the astronaut culture where nasa is going to be this more bureaucratic you know, top down oppressive thing. Uh, and, and, and their astronauts are just replaceable cogs that don't have any say it. it, it it's, it's, it's kind of cool how they are playing with contrasts this season, mm-hmm. because I think that's that. I mean, and if they wanted to be like an astronaut first organization, uh, bringing Molly over, but that's a pain in the ass too, right? Cause she is a pain in the ass. Sure. Sure. Oh, we'll see. Uh, why don't we get into the recap? All right, news of the Polaris tr- uh, hotel tragedy has made it out to the news uh, outlets, and it's on the radio. Karen's driving to meet Ayesa in the desert. Once there, Ayesa offers to buy out Polaris. Karen k- kind of sits here for a while, talking to him, and smokes out why he's going to make a run at Mars, and he needs her hotel slash ship. I- Maybe we can talk about that to get there. Um, he says all the right things and they make a deal. Hotel slash ship is a weird thing to me. I guess it makes a certain what, amount of sense, but her what hotel, is a starship? Sure, if not just like a metal container with air inside. I think like, he just defined it with a with an engine on one end, preferably. Right, right. If it can move, um, yeah, and I guess like. As long as your engines aren't too powerful and stress the hotel in the wrong places, you should be good. Um, it, her hotel, though, is in shambles, or does she have another? No, I think it's it's still the hotel, but, like, I think it would probably be easier to repair that thing and make it space-worthy than to build an entirely new structure to go to Mars. Oh, yeah, I mean, seems. the testing is already done, right? Um, you just need to test now. Can we uh, put propulsion on this thing? Right. 
but yeah, you'd have to read, you have to, you have to string up two new cables and maybe tighten up some bolts and, and whatnot. But I, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of precedent in science fiction, you know, uh, in the expanse, we featured a starship becoming a, st- uh, doing the reverse. So you had, a, you had yeah. something that was a starship became a star base when it got spun up. So this is kind of oh. like that in reverse. Can they spin the hotel? Spin, spin the Polaris. <laughs> uh, no, I and I'd like I, I, that wasn't the only thing because I kind of like noted that irony of the the reversal of the um, you know Navu plotline of the Expanse, but also them talking mm-hmm. about colonizing Mars, colonizing the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. It's like I started hearing Norwegian women singing, you know, <laughs> in, in the background, the Expanse theme. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing about the scene is I'm. I'm trying to decipher what she's feeling about this. You know, she has a ton of money, um, but she doesn't have her business anymore. And I just wondering, is she okay with that? Right? Like is money, what she's actually after, because she's very good at making money off her business ventures. What she's not great at is finding fulfillment in them. And I think that's a theme that we're going to see through the rest of this episode, especially when she gets in contact with Ed who's feeling the same. Uh, yeah, she's searching for something that is not money here. Fulfillment, a next, uh, a, a bright new future, uh, a next page. Um, yeah, they, uh, that, that's, that's all, that's all very interesting questions. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, she's, you know, kind of looking out, contemplating that into the desert here and it's supposed to be, you know, similar to a Mars landscape, right? With minus the plants. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's thinking about Mars. She's just thinking about her own role in this and, and how she's just kind of sold it out here. Uh, very, very Jurassic Park. Um, I thought this uh, the scene, this is very Hammond arriving by helicopter to tell Grant that his next uh, two years of research have been fully funded. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'd be remiss as a Cincinnatian if I didn't remark upon Harambe. You know, most people uh, that, that that word became famous for the, the king of our fair city's zoo being slain because a mom let her kid wander into his cage like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been gone six years. Rest in peace, Harambe. Hopefully the Harambe situation goes a lot better and for all mankind. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, and like I said, you know, kind of in the intro, I'm liking this guy so far. Right. He's saying all the right things. I'm interested to see if it stays that way as we get further in, but so far so good on this dude. Yeah. So far it's interesting. Ron Moore's statement seems to be, if you have a super rich dude taking us to the stars, he better be like a really benevolent dictator type first among equals type. Uh, And he's saying all the right things. We'll, we'll see when the rubber hits the road. Mm hmm. All right, then we go over to Molly, who is angry that Margot has snuck a uh, committee behind her back to choose this Mars mission commander. Uh, she barges into her office and takes her anger out on Margot's assistants because she's not there. And she calls Danielle into her office and tells her, look, uh, I know you're qualified for a Mars mission. It just won't be the first one. Ed's going up there. Um, she tries to explain her reasoning. And Danielle, to her credit, agrees to back him up. She doesn't put up too much of a fight here. What's your analysis of the political situation here? And I'm not talking politics in terms of Republicans and Democrats. I'm talking uh, office politics. Uh, um, Margo versus Molly. Who's who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? It's hard to say because we've taken a big break, right? So we haven't seen the real development of this. Um, if I had seen more of Margo's actions, like, is this something she's actually doing behind the scenes, trying to get in underneath Molly? Um or above Molly uh, to to try and change the structure of NASA. I I don't know. I don't know. We don't have enough information really, but my read on it is that Molly is right here um, and that sneaking this into some clause buried in a contract or some paperwork that she's supposed to sign without telling her that that's what she's doing is, yeah, it's underhanded. Yeah, especially since we've seen Margot handle a uh, usurpation of her power by the Department of Defense. And like she understands the territoriality that like if you have response, if you have budget, if you have responsibilities, if you have official duties, you have to protect them or they'll be taken from you and 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 uh, (laughs) reappropriate other places. And like 
it's entirely possible that Molly and the whole astronaut uh, head office is a relic of the past, but it seems like if you want to do that, you should make that argument and then formally dissolve the position. You shouldn't do it mm-hmm. after you've provoked her by trying to take that power. And that's exactly what this is. If I think so. It, it's handcuffing her to a set of criteria that this board can use to force her hand to make decisions that she doesn't want to do. And as Ed points yeah. out later in the episode, the whole point of this is to make sure the the nerds on the ground that have never been strapped to a rocket with 100,000 pounds of thrust and ride it in the orbit, that they don't get to override the concerns of the men and women who actually crew the thing and who are mm-hmm. putting their ass on the line. And I was pretty outraged by Margot's behavior throughout this episode and kind of worried that there would be a coup amongst the astronauts. I didn't expect it, it would immediately lead to Ed, def, you know, uh, defecting to the private sector. But yeah, uh, that's all diffused. She fucked around and she found out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and there's an argument to be had, you know, that uh, scientists and engineers should be leading the the space charge here, but also that could significantly slow things down, right? Scientists and engineers are not prone to risk-taking. Right, especially when you're talking about true exploration, true breaking new grounds, uh things that are not routine. And and the thing is, is like, it's a very interesting argument. Who would be the better mission commander, Danny or Ed? Uh, Danielle or Ed? Mm -hmm. Um, Even you (laughs) leave out all the other, like, what it means for uh, the the first uh, human being on the planet to be a black woman. If you set aside all the racial politics of it, it's an entirely mm-hmm. defensible decision, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. But clearly, by tradition and explicit NASA policy, Molly was the one that had that decision and was the ultimate. Uh, that's where the ultimate buck stopped. Mm-hmm. And they just threw Margo just threw that result out because she didn't like it. And it's clear to me that nothing like if Molly had, you know, done it all through the proper channels, uh, which, again, to the extent that Molly was fucking over Margot, it's just returning of the favor. What Margot had done with her with this stupid, you know, she she got she she issues this edict and this policy and buries this poison pill in it and then takes off the Huntsville. Um, you know, I, I just think it was it was it was Molly responding to that aggression that Margot is already showing. And she's again, she's in she's in the right. If if Margot yeah, wanted to no. redo this as NAS administrator, she should have like I, I think the proper way to do it. If you fucking hated Molly was like, all right, you're going to get Ed. But now you're fired. That's your last decision you ever made. But like, yeah, or God. maybe not even fired. You're just, uh, you know, now you're operating under this committee. Like let the decision stand, right. but in the future, right. and if you oh, don't like it, you can you can walk out, but you are no longer yeah. the final say, and we are changing the policy because blah blah blah. But like to, I don't know. It's it, it's it it seemed like horseshit to me. It seemed like something that would was designed to piss people off, and and it sucks so bad because I wanted Ed to fall in line and like accept it the way Danny. But I feel like it's a fundamental difference. Like Ed's a clown for bringing her her race and gender into it oh yeah but he's entirely right to be upset by the way he's been treated uh-huh sure so he's yeah he's been given something and then they took it back and it's like he's been jerked around quite a bit um yeah the other thing about it is you know ed specifically as a commander here the the guy being jerked around is an interesting case when you're talking about like will engineers and scientists make the better decisions here or will the cowboy uh, fighter pilots make the better decisions. Um, he had the opportunity to do just that, right, on that Apollo 10 mission, and he chose to side with the scientists and uh, engineers who were saying, look, you don't have enough fuel or you're within, like, a, a margin of error here that makes this scary. You get the call, though, um, and he decides to take it back, right? So he doesn't yeah. land on the moon. And I you wonder if he'll ever be... do that again, though. That's I, I wonder if if Margot wonders the same thing. If like if we really need to like go no go him, and we're all saying mm-hmm. no go, and Ed's like, well, I'm old. I'll never get this chance again. I'm going exactly. Yeah, I <laughs> that's a I think that's a valid fear. Let's put it that way. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, he he's an interesting case being the person in this position. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, look, also. 
our, our current NASA is run by a bunch of scientists and engineers, right? And I think a lot of us would like the progress to be a little bit faster. And, you know, you mm. talked about this Siesa guy being essentially Elon Musk. I mean, that's what he's doing, right? Moving fast, yeah. breaking things. He'll let a hundred million dollar rocket explode because he's trying to land this thing vertical, whatever. If it doesn't work, he'll build another. Uh, NASA has to worry about the politics of it and then the budgets that they are constrained by because of the politics. Um, whereas he doesn't, he can just, he can just have a cowboy out there breaking his rockets. Well, and I was thinking the same thing as like Ed, like the, that's the flip side of the, the wiener, the, the weenies in the white lab coats is like the astronauts are ones that charge ahead, make all the hard decisions. If Ed tries to land Apollo 10 and it blows up, NASA is the one that has to deal with the public relations yeah. fallout and the budget cuts. Molly, you know, disobeys orders and and pushes to get that the, the, the a little bit more exploration to get that ice in that first canyon and it worked. But if it didn't, it's a dead astronaut. And why are we even fucking around on the moon? So, like, there is a push and pull of interest on both sides because, yeah, they're putting their asses on the line. But the program, the existence of the program is on the administrators and not on the astronauts. So they Do you think don't. This is. They can only pay a certain they, they can only pay for their own lives. They can't like, you know, uh, uh, they, they can't they can't single handedly keep a mission going or keep uh, a, a department funded. I have to think this is also a little bit about Molly making the sacrifice she did um, for, uh, you, you know, when she was on the moon and now the price she's paying for that. Like, I think she puts a lot of value into the autonomy of those astronauts being able to make their own calls. Sure. Being capable of it, being willing to, um, because of the experiences she's had on the moon, yeah. you know, it is who she is and she's put her money where her mouth is on that. And, and I think she feels very strongly that that should be the, the type of person they're looking for in the commander. And again, especially like um, when your first boots on the ground on a strange new world, you know, um, I, like I said, it's it's a it's a debate. It's an argument. And I feel like there was a set of rules that governed that debate. And Margot just changed them because she didn't like the result, which that's the thing. Like, I guess if I was ever in an employment situation and I've been in employment situations like this where, like, I got the feeling that I couldn't fire somebody who was a dumpster fire. I just fucking fired him. And like, if, 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 if I'm going to find out I can't be allowed to do that, I'd rather find out now than like three years from now <laughs> so we can get this shit settled right now. Um, I kind of like supported Molly provoking the argument. It's like, okay, well, let's push our chips to the middle of the table. And, you know, are you taking my power? Are you usurping this or not? And Margo did it. So, yeah. All right. Um, well, the next scene is Ed leading a class when Molly shows up and announces he's no longer the teacher because he's being assigned the commander position on the first Mars mission, and Ed is blown away. Uh, he gets a standing ovation from his class, too, which is nice. Very cute scene. And then we go over to Karen packing up her office at Polaris when Danny shows up. Da, da, da. They chat this is briefly. not a cute scene. <laughs> they chat briefly about what happened on the Polaris, both the accident and the song he played at the wedding reception. He claims it was all Amber's idea, but then at the last minute, as he's walking out, he confesses he lied about that, and he's still in love with Karen. Karen sets him straight and sends him home to his wife, but how can you really set this boy straight? Yeah, and we hear, like, caught up in some of the stuff we missed in the last 10 years, him drunkenly showing up at her house at all hours and being possessive and probably aggressive. And Yeah, the is... drinking problem. But why did Karen, because, like, why couldn't she let that boy leave her office without satisfying her own curiosity? There's got to be something, some kind of hold on her. The, the, the fact that she ever let it happen to be in, in the first place, like... Mm. Oh God, I don't know. Like every there's a, a lot of people are pieces of work on this show, but I feel like Karen takes the cake right now uh, for inappropriateness. And then the disbelief that she's having to deal with the consequences of her inappropriateness. Mm. Oh God. I just, man, <laughs> I, I hope this kid goes to Mars. I hope he dies on Mars. Cause I can't take this. I, I cannot, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot give a shit wow. about these two people. No. Wow. Unrequited love. You heard it here first. The the <laughs> punishment for that is death on Mars. 
for this particular yeah yeah i'd Shit. rather send karen but i will take danny as is if whatever it takes to end this hmm uh yeah there was a lot of stuff i admire about karen uh and the person she is sure this is not one of those things it's a lot of a lot of things i admire about margo she's dead wrong to fuck mm-hmm. over molly this way karen is dead wrong for ah uh, all of this all of this and she ah Speaking of being dead wrong, there was a there was mention of perhaps a quadriplegic Danny theory. Uh, last I was episode. dead wrong. He's walking like as as I was going to say like the day he was born, but no, no, he's walking like a few years later. <laughs> that would kind of be quadriplegic because babies don't walk. Yeah. Um, no, man. I yeah. I I'm kind of flabbergasted. I guess that was just for a mini cliffhanger. Uh huh. Like yeah, I just knock him off the ship and make you think, oh, no, he's dead. I he's like not. the cable fiascos even le- less now because that mm. was dumb. That, that that's that's dumb. I don't like it. OK. Uh, how about this thing about Danny thinking that she, Karen wants to get back with Ed? Is there anything to that? Is he right? I think if I were in Ed Ed and Karen's positions at this phase in life, uh, it would you would be a natural thing to think about rekindling. But Ed's going to the going to Mars, man. Uh, Freshly single. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. Right. He's going to be on Mars in two years if all goes according to plan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I have no idea what they're doing with this because it seems like it's all going to be super fucking moot. Mm -hmm. I will see. Uh, so we're over in Austin where Ellen and her husband, I, I don't know his name. Um, I don't either talk through her vice presidential pick. Uh, she's interested in John McCain, which I think all of us are familiar with, but, uh, this dude, her husband thinks she should pick someone that her base likes more, which is Bragg. I don't think this is a real guy. I think this is a made up Mm. dude so that they can show him and have him be a character. Yep. And she agrees to take a meeting with him, but that's all. And then their son bursts in the room and plays with them. There are so many really cute scenes between people. I really love this scene where Ellen and this dude are playing with their kid. I really love the next scene where Ed and Danielle are just shooting the shit and busting balls. Uh, Everybody is so cute together. And it's in contrast, you know, to the Karen Danny stuff, right? Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like everything about Danielle's uh, family experience is very cute. And, that, and I, I like yeah. this about the show is that they do show wholesome family dynamics with the fucking mm-hmm. exception of Karen. Like even Ed losing a shit at Kelly and, and Karen last uh, year in the third episode, I thought was handled extremely well um, yeah. and well played by by all family members involved. Um and like, you know, like that's the thing, like they've established that Ellen and her husband here love each other in every single way, except for one facet. And that's a big facet. Don't Just get me romance. wrong. Yeah, they're not romantically interested in each other. They're not romantically interested in each other, but they're like, I mean, this kid looks he's super cute, seems very well adjusted. They're having a really normal one here in the bedroom. I, I yeah, it's uh it seems like she's just completely both of these people completely shut their, that part of their bot that the, their that the, their life fulfillment away to advance themselves in po- politics, but they're trying to get as much of the other human experience as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, what a what a wild way to live your life because of <laughs> the the country you're born in, but right and the time that you're born in. Yeah, yeah. And I because I, I, like Cecily and I were talking about when we we're watching this, she's like, I'm surprised that, you know, the other gender and the like hierarchical dynamics that they've shown because the United the, the USSR keeps keeps coming around and challenging the United States in terms of women's involvement and racial problems that the, the gay stuff lags behind. And I I thought about that. And I'm like, well, well, that's the thing is like. Russia's not really pushing the United States on their on their acceptance of gay people. I I think that's when yeah. the the USSR suffered from a lot of that as well. So like yes, things are a little bit more progressive from women's empowerment and maybe racial um either slightly ahead of, of where we were in in real life racially, but in terms of gay rights, there's mm-hmm. there's it's not it's not like Russia's putting any pressure on us. So I thought it's almost realistic that 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 segment or that axis is kind of lagging behind everything else. Yeah. And I saw in the um, 
intro montage last episode that the AIDS epidemic was still a thing in this universe. Um, and we know how that was handled here, right? And who that was blamed sure. on. Um, right. Who, who was demonized for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem like that has changed much. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see if we get there. Uh, Ed and Danielle talk for the first time since Molly made him the commander and she congratulates him, but warns him, I will steal your seat in a heartbeat if he isn't perfect. And hi, Bob is back. That's nice. Yeah. Hi, Bob. We did do it. It's not a complete abandonment of the hi, Bob. I felt bad <laughs> when the, like Jesus, two episodes into episode by episode co- coverage and the show, the show uh, repudiates our podcast title. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I really like this scene. I like them together. Talking about uh, essentially a Tesla Roadster in 1994, 95 or 92. He's talking about like this all electric yeah. Roadster he's got that can go zero to 60 in like 3.3 seconds or something. And Yeah. Way but, faster but I, than this, his Corvette. This was, I love this because it's Danielle essentially saying she's going to do her part, but also putting Ed on notice that she's coming. Like if he shows any sign of weakness, his bum fucking yeah. leg his prostate getting weak what she's she's gonna uh, come her and the whole replacement crew is gonna come for him uh which is you know game on man that's that's fair sure uh then ed calls kelly via video phone on on the moon uh for, no no not for no the she's on her she's in the, she's she Antar- might as well be in antarctica she's, yeah 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 in her antarctic base uh via video phone to tell her some good news and some bad news uh he's splitting up with yvonne which is, I guess, the bad news, but also going to Mars. And she's super happy for him. He asks her to come with him. She's not certain she wants to go because she'd have to put her research on hold, but he eventually convinces her. Didn't seem like it took much. Uh, and of course, come on. Like, I get that you like your research, but being one of the first people on Mars. This is another cute scene because that's the thing. It's like even he like at the end, he's like, come on. And she's like, well, of course I'm going to go because of course you're going to yeah, go. Right. Uh, but I like him mispronouncing the, you know, the swing uh, <laughs> fungus that she's working on, the smoomaxis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just bring bring your swingalingus on. Well, we, we need to figure out how to make that thing grow on on Mars. Um, and we get I more... do wonder. Uh, sorry. I was going to say, I do wonder where they're going with this because like by the end of this episode, this conversation's moot. So, yeah, well, maybe. I mean, he could still get her on a mission, right? Just not in the public sector. Yeah. I wonder how she will feel about that as, you know, a graduate yeah. of Annapolis and and big, big uh, defender of the, the space program. Yeah. That's the thing. We find out a lot more about her story in the last X many years um, over the break because he talks about it you know he says hey you aced your astronaut training you went on a trip to Skylab she's been in space before um she's she's game ready you know uh it, we were questioning like how did she get diverted from that but it seems like she didn't she just kind of got into the research side of things after becoming essentially an astronaut although i wonder if there's more to that story too like, sure. why would someone who wanted to, like we talked about, she was hard charge and wanted to drive uh, the the biggest, baddest jet fighters, wanted to go to space, was successful in achieving that. And now, and again, it's not like McMurdo is like some bullshit post. It's very prestigious. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it, it, there might be more people who've walked on the moon at this point than served at that base. But it's still, especially in an age of true exploration where Mars is just around the corner, why would she take their foot off the gas? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you asked last episode if these were Newton devices, Apple Newton devices. They definitely are. So yeah. there are Apple icons on them, um, on, on the physical device itself. And then if you look at the screen here where she signs off, there's a, a logo, an icon that says Newton Tour. Like, uh, you know, hey, welcome to your device or whatever. So definitely a Newton. I guess that's Very the cool. predominant technology for video conferencing from from the moon too, I think Aleda later is using one of these too to yep. contact her family. Anyway, Danielle has to tell her husband that she got passed over as mission commander. He says he's sorry, but she thinks he's not sad enough, and he gives his reasons, and I think they're fair. And then her son overhears them chatting, and they talk about it for a while. No, I thought it's especially like 
because you know, was like, well, you knew what you're getting into when you married an astronaut. But he points out that, like, I just lived through a space fucking disaster, a towering inferno up yeah. 50 miles high. It's like the trauma is fresh in my mind. And now, like, because he's like, yeah, intellect intellectually knowing the dangers versus living through one. I can. But it's not. And it's, it's not like he's not being supportive. He's just like, mm-hmm. I'm not like we as, as much as I would have been like two months ago, you know. Yeah. Um, and he's thinking, well, it's not like you're not going to go. You're going to go after our sons through high school. And it uh, made a lot of sense. It's, and also, it's funny because what Ed says about Danny, well, you only got ahead of me because you're greased the wheels, is kind of like the inverted of that said by Isaiah here because he says, oh, it's a big surprise. They're going to the old white guy. There's still like. The prejudice on, I, I think, if you could call it that, on both sides, is just that Danielle's got the grace not to let her bitterness get to the point where she throws that in Ed's face. And I think she's even kind of right. reprimanding her son for, um, you know, or at least disapproving of him for saying that. Um, but it's not like mm-hmm. people aren't thinking it, you know, when Ed, you sure. know, it's, oh, it's oh, the first guy gets to be the first guy and he's going to look a certain type of way and have a certain type of. So. That that I think that's interesting that the um they both have some of the similar misgivings that are racially and gender motivated, but Danielle just is not <laughs> as big an asshole as as Ed is. Yeah. And then we go over to Ellen's political ad. She's running a smear campaign, uh, kinda on Bill Clinton and saying, "Ah, he's the taxes. Oh boy, he's going to raise those taxes." Um. And she takes a meeting with Governor Bragg at her temporary campaign headquarters. She feels him out on whether he can be a team player and advocate for her position, despite their differences of opinion. He says all the right things, but does he mean them? Aaron, I can't imagine that he actually means these things he's saying. Well, you know, I, I it's, it's interesting to see, like, what is the Republican barometer? Because you mentioned that's an attack ad, but it's a pretty tame attack ad, attack ad. Like, this guy wants sure. to increase our budget by $250 billion. Can we afford that? Say no to tax and spend. Um, you know, those are honest political disagreements. I got my feelings on them, right? But, but, but it's, you know, with the the overbearing uh, music and the the voice announcer who's like, Bill Clinton taxed oh, your yeah, ass yeah, out. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's not things. like, Bill Clinton fucked a bunch of women in the Arkansas <laughs> right. governor's mansion and he wants to, you know, his wife's going to traffic your children in fucking Ikea cabinets and like the yeah. shit that we've gotten, we've, we've devolved down to today. And I, I'm thinking, it's like, okay, what is a Republican, so what does the Republican Party look like if climate change is not a problem? If the, if, 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 if society as a whole kind of still reveres science and you've also got like uh the jingoism is always at 100 percent because of our you know and in, in, intense uh geopolitical conflict with russia to mean remains a, a player throughout the um well you've always got the the pro-life uh, always got pro-choice the debate to fall back on uh, that's a big thing. And and I think the gay stuff is that I think that's what's going to happen is that he's going to feel entitled to stab Ellen in the back because Ellen wasn't entirely forthcoming and she's been living a lie. That's going to be what he justifies his betrayal as. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, or maybe he'll just be, drop, but it has maybe yet. he will be a loyal soldier to the end. Who knows? Yeah, we'll but, see. Because uh, because that would be an interesting that also show a little bit of like maybe how the times have changed because we know Zeke, like when he was up there in the capsule, they thought they're going to die. We thought that was going to be a nice old white guy moment where it's like, you know, I never thought you lesbians right. were that and he bad. Turned blah, out blah. To be an ass. And he turned out to be just a complete asshole about it. It would yeah. be interesting if this is like a reversal of that. A guy who maybe we because I, I thought they were going to go with Zeke being anachronistically cool with gay people because mm-hmm. um, I liked him. Right. I don't like sure. this guy from the way they described him, the way he carries himself and all that kind of stuff. But he's saying all the right things. Maybe he will be the guy who actually does the right thing that we don't like. And respect. I, I don't know. There might be an interesting inversion there. Yeah. She's so established in her cover life here that it's hard to imagine exactly how that comes out. But I think a big key player is going to be the woman that she was seeing last season. I don't remember her name. Um, yeah, that's the that's her one that got away, right? The one that yeah. she was just she gave super her up. in love with. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I guess 
Yeah, I don't know who gave up who. I can't remember exactly. It was complicated. But yeah, they, they gave up that relationship for her to pursue her career. So I think that's it, it's going to be a situation like that where she meets someone that she can't resist, that the heart wants, what she, or or maybe. Um, well, I think it's maybe, probably digging up her past. Right. And they're going to go. Well, I was going to say it could be person. a dark thing or is like um, her girlfriend is like, I don't want someone to be the president who's got this big secret that they're keeping. I, and maybe it's not even a revenge It's more of like. I don't think this person's fit to serve or I don't think this person should. I, I don't know. I don't know how they would how, how they would would spin it that way. But it, yeah, sure. I, I can see it going down a lot of different ways for sure. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Margo returns to her office and Bill unintentionally drops the bomb about Ed being the commander on her. And she diverts straight to Molly's office where Molly rips into her about trying to take control over the entire agency with her underhanded tactics and rather than take the criticism to heart, Margot fires Molly. What's done is now undone. Your blind refusal to see these facts, Molly. <laughs> yeah, damn, I just a... continue your sentence. She knows you didn't mean to pick on her visual or impairment, whatever. I think she's, I just add to the true because she's like, that's because Margot is not a stupid person. She knows what mm-hmm. she's doing. She knows what her clear pattern has been for these last 30 yeah. years. And... Yeah, I just, boy, boy, I, I just can't get behind what Margo's doing here. This is such a, this mm-hmm. is such a horseshit. Uh, I, I, I thought when I was watching this for the first time, I was like, oh, it's going to set off like uh, an almost astronaut um, revolt, you know, because this, this is like, I, I started thinking about this in terms of like, this is like a labor issue, right? You know, imagine if you're like a, a coal miner and you've had a, a coal miner uh, that is sitting on the employee board and they're the head of it and they get to approve like working condition things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you got that because you trust them to make the decisions that you don't trust the bean counters. Uh, and then all of a sudden they strip that or deunionize it or something like that would be like th- that's 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 not pro labor for damn sure. So like, I saw this as almost yeah. like dissolving a union um, mm-hmm. it, it's a naked power grab by management. I did not like it at all. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, of course, Margo, having done this, needs to now call Ed into her office to tell him the bad news that he won't be commanding the Mars mission. Ed is pissed off that the decisions are being made by pencil pushers now. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked in large part about this at the beginning um, when we first saw Molly make this decision, but... I don't know, man. Is it is it good or bad that the pencil pushers, the engineers, the scientists are taking control of this? Because on one hand, I could see a case for that, right? They're the people with the knowledge to actually make this mission safe um, and get the job. <laughs> well, done, the whole reason but... the whole reason this 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 uh, job got started is because these weenies in white lab coats barbecued three astronauts on the fucking launch pad, including Gus Grissom. First U.S. man in space, right? Like uh-huh. it, 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 this didn't happen because the these 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 ballsy astronauts came in and started like giving purple nurples and pink bellies to all the nerds and like bully them and like you fucking eggheads and no, it was careless mistakes that led to people dying needlessly. So like, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm 100 pro astronaut on this on this issue. I I think huh. okay. it's uh I, again the only thing uh, Ed. Would have played this perfectly had he left Danielle's sex and gender out of his bitterness and resentment. Oh, sure. And it's a cheap shot. He probably knew it. And it's going to permanently damage him and Danielle's relationship. I, In fact, I was actually somewhat surprised that Danielle was cool with it. You know, like. Cool with it? Cool with the, the, the way that the change was made. Oh, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, I understand like, you know, being elated, but, but like, this is a huge culture change. And I think it's something that I would be worried about if I was an astronaut, but maybe Danielle, since she is more of the cerebral mold that has the extra qualifications, it's becoming more than just a test pilot. Maybe she is more sympathetic to it, but yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, Danielle's family is watching battle bots, which was pretty awesome to see. Uh, when she gets a call from Margot telling her that she'll be commanding the Mars mission instead of Ed. Looks like one of these Royal Rumble type 
matches of BattleBots. I think I saw Bombshell, Complete Control, and some other smaller bot. That didn't really uh, stand I, a chance. I love BattleBots and Robot Wars. I right. love the fact that Danielle and her whole family is watching it. It's just, it's super fucking wholesome. Yeah. Uh, and her family being supportive, but also very nervous. Like after they had that conversation, they thought the the the, the danger was passed, and it's a great scene. Here's my question: In a hundred years, when we have uh, true artificial intelligence that can watch battle bots, will they be disgusted by it? Will they be like, "You put my ancestors in a cage and made them fight each other to the death"? Are you kidding me? That's fucking perverse. Or will they be smart enough to know that these were not actually thinking? Uh, entities that these were just remote controlled machines do we get all upset about people eating monkeys um except for like thinking it's gross like in an indiana jones uh oh, i think we get Doom pretty upset there's a lot of people who get upset about that right I mean, people get upset about eating all kinds of animals. But because they're eating our ancestors or just because this is like a barbaric thing to do because we're sentient creatures and they're sentient creatures. Like, I I, I don't know. Because yeah, I like, there's a distinction to be made, but probably yeah, both. Because like, like, it'd be one thing, I guess, if we're still battling robots or sentient robots. But like, I, I don't know. A hundred years from now, I feel like the robots, if they're, if they're going to get upset about it, it's not going to be because these, you disrespected our ancestors who couldn't really think. And <laughs> well, that, that's a pretty know, disrespectful I, impression of a robot. Oh, oh, years from oh now. Aaron's just going to do a robot voice. Beep, huh? boop, oh, beep, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how they all talk. Beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> right, white man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. 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 Flesh sack. Yeah. That's how we all say <laughs> telling you man you're setting yourself up for a harsh judging a hundred years from now yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be uh one of the meat sacks hanging on a hook i'm not gonna Mm be not gonna be down in the new the new system (laughs) anyway yeah good scene uh margo and ed share a drink now and talk about everything they loved including themselves has now gone to hell uh yeah yeah is it Margo yeah, and Ed? It's, it's Molly and Ed. Yeah, it's Molly and Ed. They're okay. drinking. My notes say Margo. I was like, that doesn't sound right at all. Um, Several times I, I started, I got them confused in my notes too, but contextually. Yeah, yeah they're probably drinking Glen Fitty if uh, mm-hmm. the earlier conversations in the episode holds any weight. Uh, and then another really good scene, Aleda on the moon. She is just in awe of the whole experience. She's out uh, kind of roving around out there. Um, we're, we're playing Smashing Pumpkins today, getting some period accurate music. Good to know in this universe, Smashing Pumpkins still uh, hit the charts. Yeah, I thought this was a great scene. This show does a really good job of nailing the awe of space. And like, I feel like Aleda yeah. would be just like me, like looking at the rocks and looking at the earth and like how amazing everything is. And they pull out and we see like Jonestown is a town now like it's 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 huge as compared it was even from last season it's got this whole radial spoke system and Mm -hmm. it's just so much more developed than it was before so I I loved it a lot of little outposts with sort of makeshift embankments around them of of the regolith I thought that was really cool yeah probably rocket test facilities and things like that sure landing zones whatever you know it's yeah I think that's cool. Um, so then Ed meets Danielle at the outpost and Ed knows it's not her fault that he's off the mission, but he's still pretty salty about it. Uh, so salty. In fact, that he tells her she's only getting the command because she's a black woman. And Daniel is Danielle is very hurt by that and leaves. And she should be the idea that her uh-huh. path to this point has been in any way greased compared to his is just on the face of it like fucking laughable and with all her experience and education and like for for ed i had this line that she says where i've been hearing that my entire life but i never thought i'd hear it from you yeah the, the relationship they have should should tell ed that she's more than just a black woman in a spacesuit, right like Yes. She's put in the work. She's done. She's done everything that he has and perhaps even more. And he still thinks this of her, you know, even if it's like he's just revealing himself here. Right. It's really no, gross. And it's it is it's gross. And it's unfortunate, especially since um, 
and, and there, even before we got to that point, there was a whole bunch of other red flags, re- rotating red lights. Because like, I, th- I thought Danielle gave him a lot of slack. Like when he essentially said, I gave you your career like he did. Yeah, yeah. There's two or three times he said, I think that's pretty fucking offensive. Uh-huh. You know, like, no, she put herself in a position to be the best and to be the most logical candidate time and time again. And, and even after she'd been looked over. Like, yeah, I uh, it's just it's it gross because, again, they showed that there was another sentiment that like Danielle could have come back with like, oh, surprise, surprise. They picked the old white guy and she fucking didn't do that to Ed and did nothing. But even though she was clearly hurt and felt passed over, say, I'm going to support you. And um, the fact that he couldn't be a little bit more gracious to her again, egregious the way he's been treated. But. Even even I even thought the not saying hi, Bob had as much to do with him being butthurt about the assignment as it was the depressing yeah. state of the outpost turned into a family friendly <laughs> establishment, completely sanitized and all the rough corners smoothed out. Um, it's like an Applebee's with a gift shop, uh, an astronaut yeah. <laughs> themed Applebee's <laughs> with a gift shop. And I get it. He also like there's also the element of like Danielle still got you know, probably 10 years on him. So she's still got a uh-huh. viable career where this is maybe his last hurrah, but even st- I can't co-sign his behavior. <laughs> he really, course. really showed his ass. Um, and I wish, like I said, I, it, it, it makes me feel bad about the kind of pirate operation. They're running over at Helios because if Ed was, was not a dick in this scene, I'd be fully on board with like, yeah, fuck NASA, get him Ed. But there's mm-hmm. still a tinge of, I feel bad for Danny because she's being upstaged by this guy now. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. All right, a lady calls home from the moon to talk with her son, who uh, is more interested in watching DuckTales than talking to her. That, that that feels pretty realistic for his age. You oh, know? totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, I you're mean, on the moon, Mom. That's cool. Okay, now I'm going to go watch Un- Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, her father can't find his watch and leaves the call to go find it. You might be what onto you- something with these memory issues, man. I... I didn't see it in the first episode, um, but this time they do it. They do it a couple times in this scene. He starts yeah. off with, "Where's my watch?" and then, or "I'm looking for my watch" or something. And then it's just not. The end, it's not just that. It's the agitation that's out of yeah proportion to what's going on. That is like, right. I mean, I got big my granddad vibes from from this, um, and it seems like it is going to be. But I'm like, but but why, you know? Is it going to just be another thing that puts pressure on Alita that, uh, you know, she's got apparent yeah. stability and she's got her dad back from Mexico and they're all this big, you know, extended nuclear unit and it's going to be taken from her. And, and, and there's an element here, too, of uh, what's what's her husband's name? Victor. Victor. There's an element, too, of Victor not liking her father. Right. She mentioned something about, like, I know you guys don't get along or something. Yeah, or he says maybe Victor doesn't like because he's a little bit more too old fashioned, or if if he just keeps cooking with cheese and you're, you know, lactose intolerant, that might be a a reason enough. But (laughs) and it could also just be that um, because it's really frustrating to deal with people who are losing losing their grip, man. Older people who are 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 starting to get some sort of senility or dementia. uh, I imagine like being a young guy trying to raise a kid with a woman with a hard charging career and her dad's there and he's always fucking shit up and, and not respect, you know, not remembering things. It's, it, it'd be hard to not take it personal if you didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I do wonder uh, how that's going to come back into it. Um, e- even knowing what's going on, it's sometimes hard not to take it personal when you get like to some of the extreme behavior you get. So I, I wonder, cause yeah. it seems like this season is going to take place over at least the course of a few years. Um, probably seems like they're going to develop this plot a bit. And it's not something I feel great about. Cause again, the it's, it's kind of a painful storyline for myself, but, uh, I'll be interested to see what they actually do with it. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Karen sees Ellen's choice of Bragg as her VP. Uh, on the the news, and then there's car crash outside her house. I thought it was going to be Danny, but it turns out me to be too. Ed. <laughs> Ed I'm is like, very already, 
already starting his shit. Turns out it's the other man in her life that's <laughs> fucking shit up all the time. Well, it's both of them. Uh, Danny's also sitting <laughs> yeah. outside in his car spying on them. That was the greatest part after it's like it turns out it's all just drunk Ed pissed uh-huh. and not knowing what else to do with himself. And they're like, well, Jesus Christ, at least it's not Danny. Danny's just up the street wa- watching everything with like whatever his psycho American psycho look is. This was not his Corvette, right? This is his new Roadster type car. Yeah, because he said he Dan's crashes? damn toys, damn toy Shit. car. Shit. Yeah. All right. Inside, Ed and Karen commiserate over their dreams coming to an unfulfilling end and wonder what their lives would have been like without each other. Uh, he confesses that he once considered being a civil engineer instead of an astronaut, but didn't want to let her down. Um, he thought it might be nice to build something that lasts. He's uh, in complete denial, though, right? Like, Oh, yeah. About the letting importance her down. of his achievements. Well, not only that. Well, yeah, there's multiple levels of delusion, but I'm saying him being an astronaut is still 90 percent him. Like there might be a little bit of like, oh, you know, my wife uh-huh. would be disappointed if I don't make it. But like I felt that and I felt like they, they showed Karen's face when he was talking about this as if that was kind of a slap to her, too, because I think that Karen would have preferred him being a civil engineer all said and done. Probably. Yeah. A lot less stress yeah. on her. A lot less stress, danger. Um but then the fact that like he threw kind of almost blamed her for it. Like, well, the only reason I was an astronaut yeah. was to make you happy. I think uh, that's going to I think that's going to have repercussions as the as the series unfolds. Yeah, I mean, that's stupid, right? He just he wanted to fly. He's a test pilot. Come on. Uh, yeah. I think this is also about losing their son. You know, the, this idea yeah. of like I wanted to build something that lasts that that could have been their son. But well, their son died dog. tragically early. And yeah, that they, he probably feels underneath it he won't he wouldn't like acknowledge it but he probably feels a big sense of loss from that it's also delusional that this guy thinks that his entire career is just a shoebox of memories because he's still the first american (laughs) that landed on the moon right first commander of a moon base first pilot of a nuclear fusion craft like he has been he has left his mark on history like (laughs) absolutely a lot of fucking things he's achieved he put Beyond. down a Sally Ride led mutiny. Like he's uh-huh. <laughs> there's been space pirate. Yeah, he he's he's put his mark, but it just goes to show. Like I just two weeks ago, I I came across this uh, this uh, account by Neil Gaiman. He tells a story of him being at this like uh, I don't know top 100 intellectual achievers kind of like banquet kind of thing event. And one of the ones there is Neil Armstrong, and he struck up a conversation, and, and Mr. Armstrong said, you know, every time I get to one of these things, I always think, what the hell am I doing here? I've got all these great people, and then there's me. And this dude who who landed on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because he fucked up his, his He landed on the moon with 10 seconds speech. of fuel left, by the way, by the uh-huh. way. His pulse is jacked over 200 and he's still talking cool as a cucumber. He thinks that he's a fraud because he doesn't. But it just goes to show how people get warped views both ways. Like you get the megalomaniacs who think way too highly of themselves. And you have truly exceptional people who get in a crowd of other exceptional people and shrink because, you know. Um, and then it's just, it's just expectations and ambition and those things are very complicated. Um, yeah, especially I think as you get to Ed's age, right. Where you're starting to, you can see the horizon shrinking for right. potentially creating new, uh, world changing events, um, and being part of those. Yeah. All right. Karen visits Helios and it is unlike most companies she's familiar with. Uh, in in a lot of ways, there's an open office plan. There's no hierarchical structure to the employment. Um, she pitches Ayesa on making Ed the commander of the Helios mission to Mars, and Ayesa huddles up with his entire company to talk it through. And they they you know go back and forth about why he might not be the right guy, why he is. Eventually, they vote, and Ed gets the position. Uh, Karen also gets a job offer doing whatever she wants kind of, or more specifically what she was doing at Polaris. Yeah. Um, and she's unsure about it. Head hunting, poaching astronauts from NASA. Um, there's a lot to talk about here, uh, down to like the structure of this company, the technologies they're using. They mentioned 3d printing at the beginning of this mm-hmm. scene, mm-hmm. uh, to do all their testing stuff. And I thought that was really cool. That's way ahead. 
I, I know industrial 3D printing has been a thing for much longer than, you know, home 3D printing, uh, consumer 3D printing, but mm-hmm. I still think this is pretty early, 92. What did you think of it? Because, like, I, I was like, my first watch, so I'm like, wow, this is amazing. It's just completely flat, no power structure. The other thing I thought is, like, my second thought was, is this a viable way to run a company? This is right. like a big decision and it's made in a snap manner. You, you mentioned like hearing out all sides. The people just shouted objections and support from the back and like there was no back and forth or debate. It was just kind of like and then the guy who owns the company happens to support the majority vote. Right. So like, what would no happen if they're like, there. you know what? Fuck this Ed guy. We actually don't want to. um huh. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is the TV version of this, right? I mean, the yeah. real version of this is he calls a company meeting, he hears arguments, they create a document that then sure. is read by everyone to follow into the next meeting that they have where they actually do the vote. It's, yep. it's a much longer process, but this is for television, so they shortened it. It's the West Wingification of like a democratic co-op. But the fact totally. that they're showing something like that at this level uh-huh. is pretty incredible and aspirational. Um, again, I, I, I like this should be a stand in for an actual process that that is deliberate <laughs> and thoughtful. And um, the other thing I love about this is I'm really digging IS's action speak louder sort of approach to everything. Mm. He because Karen comes in here with like, you know, some objections about how they do things. And he's just like, well, when we get to Mars, they'll see that we're serious. You know, like yeah. when when this mission succeeds, they'll have they'll the news will turn with us because we've done the damn thing. Um, yeah. Instead of getting caught up in like all the the politics of it, I I love it. Yeah, there's a saying like if you don't have steak, sell the sizzle. Well, he's got the steak and he knows it, so he don't give a shit about the sizzle. Like right? you know, people will be blown away when we show up in Mars orbit and set up a colony. Uh, I I don't need to get people dreamed and, and inspired and drummed up and all. And it's in stark contrast to NASA. I mean, NASA has to have the political backing of the public and the people in office. And uh, without it, they're dead in the water. So, yeah, it's a different way to play ball. Um, I do wonder if the government's just going to let them go to space. Is there going to be like sudden amount of red tape of like, well, because there's talk about regulation. Yeah, because in in this is the show does this very well. There's background information about like Polaris being a problem for NASA because apparently there's a NASA certification of space worthiness that, you know, there's questions about and and, uh, being able to (laughs) do safety and, and there's oversight. So NASA could use the Polaris thing as a pretext of like, whoa, 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 you want to take the 94 launch window? Well, you're going to have to prove this and this and this hotel almost killed a bunch of people. And it's your spacecraft. I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of Uncle Sam putting putting their it's his big fat thumb on one side of scale to try to fuck with. And and how will that real world? That would be part of the equation. Yeah, that IS would have to deal with. I think it's going to be in this world, too, because I, I feel I like so. I guess it just smokes the United States and Russia if, if there's no interference. <laughs> right. You know, right. Not very compelling drama if you're there two years early. Uh, all right. And finally, Margot and Danielle meet about the Mars mission to go over the crew list. She sees that Ed's daughter is on the list and she may or may not be interested in that. But one of the people she is interested in having on her team is Danny. Uh, Margo's assistants tell her, hey, you need to turn on TV. And when she does, she sees Ayessa and Karen, who has apparently accepted the job offer, announcing the Helios mission to Mars with the brand new ship Phoenix, which is the, you know, cobbled together. Uh, Rising Polaris from the engines. ashes of Polaris, you would uh-huh. say. And, and Ed Baldwin's command of that mission. Oh, oh, and there's more. Not only is all that true, but they're also going to go there two years before NASA. And it just takes everyone completely by surprise. It is a little, it's a little shitty that Ed didn't tell Kelly. You know? Uh, yes. I Especially because she's going to quit her job over this. He needs to fucking, that needs to be his first phone call is, uh, by the way, I'm, as soon as he knows he's not the commander of, of the NASA mission, he needs to call her yeah. up and say, by the way, I'm not going on this mission. So you're not going on this mission. But I might be going. Don't quit on your this day job, the, kid. Yeah, although I wonder if she like I. I wonder if she go because it, it seems like there's a lot of dramatic possibility of setting her and Danny on the same ship and program because then it's like in when is Danny going to say 
Sure. I don't think he'll be attracted to Kelly, but I think it's going to be like it's like something that's eating him up and causing him to maybe drink and do that. And like this, this secret that he can't tell her, right? His best. And they, they established that they're very good friends, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and they did they did similar stuff in the previous season, right? Like, yeah, there were, he was there one were secrets year going to space. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder if they're setting that up that uh, um, Danielle and Margot are going to maybe even play up the fact that Ed Baldwin's daughter's doing it the right way through NASA versus him trying to skip the line and cut ahead into the private sector. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just worried about how recklessly ambitious this mission is going to be. They have a cowboy commander who's like I said, probably willing to cut some corners. They've got an entrepreneur who is very much interested in getting there first. They've got a ship that is tested under certain circumstances, but untested as a ship. Um, And it's going to be an automated, it's going to be an automated milk run. That's, that's the thing that like, I don't, I don't know that Ed's a good fit in the culture and the mission because they're going to want a guy who kind of lays back and lets the computer do things for him. And he's going to want to be hand on stick. You sure. know, uh, and I also I, think I engineers how saying, ah, oh, this is going to be a milk run is setting yeah. themselves up for uh, a big failure. You know, yeah. if, if they well, think this is going to be easy, that's, that's like he's going to have to fight that culture of like, well, we're going to do everything automated sure. versus like, well, you got to let the pilots, you know, be a pilot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wonder because like also like he Ed very much believes in a hierarchy. He comes from a world that's very hierarchical and regimented mm-hmm. and he's going into a culture that is completely flat and decentralized. And is he going to be able to thrive in that cult? Set aside the, set, set, set aside the mission parameters. How is he going to fit in within the culture of Helios? I bet there'll be fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, new competition, right? There's competition everywhere. We still haven't seen how the Russian stuff is going to be a big competition. Um, like you said, the political angle, they, they need to get involved at this point to make it more dramatic. Yeah. I fully expect this not to go as planned in 1994. That seems crazy, but we'll see how it goes. And then final shot of Molly in the tub. Way to go. Oh, ahead, yeah, stick it to the bastards. Yeah. Uh, I laughed yeah. so hard. Uh, with that hammer. <laughs> uh-huh. <sighs> Good episode. Of course, we're recording this early. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, the I think, the last episode we'll see together before the first episode drops to the world. Um, but it's certainly before we could get any feedback for it. So as we said before, um, if there is no feedback in this podcast, it's probably because we're going to do, we didn't get enough or we might do a midweek uh, uh, episode for a uh, high Bob later on, or we might hold it for a future episode uh, and wait till a little bit builds up and then consider it all at the end. But if you're interested in letting us know what you think about this uh, brand new space race, three, maybe a four player event, send it into F a M that stands for, for all mankind fam at baldmove.com. We'll be back next week with the third episode where hopefully we get some answers about how Ed fits into the culture. What's going to happen to Kelly? Uh, is Margo going to continue her power mad takeover of NASA? Uh, is this Dev Ayesa as, as cool as we think he is? Is, 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 is Governor, Governor Bragg as cool as, we, as, <laughs> as he's purporting to be? Mm-hmm. We'll find out next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.